Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I am your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing what? I'm doing great, man. I'm getting past the uh, like the holiday hangover. You know what I mean? I'm still feeling a little <laughs> bit from Christmas, but uh, I'm feeling good, man. I know. Are you ready for three months of writing 2017 on all of your dates? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, you know, it's, it's it all goes along with like the new year, new me attitude. So I'm just going to keep making mistakes in 2018. It's great. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. 2018. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, as always, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, mention hipstersofthecoast.com. You know, they bring you Leaving a Legacy every Friday to your ears. You can check them out. Uh, they have legacy content. We talk to you about them every week. Uh, check out the site. It's really, really fantastic. Uh, you can also find us on the Top Decked app as well. Uh, and if you want to support the show directly, you can visit patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. We have awesome rewards, stickers and shout outs and play mats. Uh, Jerry, are you reworking the mugs? Is that what's going on now? Yeah, I, guess I should probably start doing that now that I don't have the holidays <laughs> as an excuse anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so that got put on, that got put on hold for a little while. Well, you know, the issue was you working overseas with the company was you're having some issues with that. So we had to that that was like a month and a half of planning that we had to kind of just drop, and now we have to start the process all over again. But yeah, those think, will be coming on the, uh, down the pipeline for sure. I think I got a local person lined up. So even better, even better. That. I just I definitely did nothing over the holidays. Just <laughs> I'm going to be upfront about that. <laughs> That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that uh all right and like i said if you guys want to check it out uh the patreon link is in the show notes so jerry can you please uh since my voice is shot i sound terrible can you please do the justice and introduce our, our awesome guest that we have this week oh uh, we have a very special guest this week we have the one the only bbd <laughs> crowd goes nuts crowd goes crazy uh, so like i, I think uh, our first music. I know, like uh, I'll, WWE I'll, uh, style. Yeah, I'm thinking like the Stone Cold theme or like the glass smashes. I'll have to edit that in and post. I'll come in and post. <laughs> oh, man. So, Brian, uh, uh, thanks for coming on. Our first world champion guest uh, on the cast. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, glad I could uh, join you all. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much uh, for coming on. I mean, it, I think it's pretty well known that you're a, a lover of legacy. So excited to start off the new year with uh, just talking about the best format. Yeah, I've, I've been a huge legacy fan uh, ever since I started playing the format back in the SEG Open Series, like 2013. So I, I got immediately hooked on it and I've loved it since. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and I know you took a little bit of flack uh, a little while ago for an article you wrote uh, where I think some people, I think kind of maybe unjustly said you were kind of poo-pooing legacy a bit. So figured we'd give you uh, the opportunity to kind of set it straight, get your uh, get your feelings out there about the format. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote a couple articles about um, basically the state of legacy as, as played on Magic Online, um, which is where I've been testing the format a lot. Uh, and there's a lot of things that I have not liked about it recently, but uh, I still do love Legacy, and it still remains my favorite format. So uh, I feel like a lot of people read those things I say uh, that are maybe a little bit negative and kind of extrapolate it beyond what I actually mean by it. So yeah, it's, it'd be nice to you know talk about some of the things that I really enjoy about Legacy that I think makes it such a great format. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. 
Uh, sweet. So I guess just for our listeners who, who don't really know you that well, Brian, can you kind of give us, uh, your backstory? You, I mean, you have quite a list, uh, here you have, you have your own magic Wikipedia page, which I saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how'd you, yeah. How'd you get started and, uh, kind of just take us through your journey through the format. Yeah. I mean, I started, uh, well, I started playing magic back in 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. Um, and when I first started, I just played limited almost exclusively. Uh, eventually, I started getting cards and playing a little bit of standard, but that was about it. Uh, and it wasn't until 2012-ish where some people had started moving to Roanoke uh, to start to work for us, uh, Star City Games. Uh, Todd Anderson, Jerry Thompson, Brad Nelson, folks like him uh, were moving into Roanoke to record like versus videos and do other kind of content. And I kind of forced myself into their group. Uh, and that's where I started <laughs> traveling with them and playing in a lot of the opens. And that's where I started picking up uh, playing Legacy as well. Nice. So you kind of really, I, I feel that's where I first learned about you is through the SCG circuit, which uh, the Legacy section has definitely fallen off. But I feel it was just how so many legacy players got to know each other around the country is the, is on that circuit. Yeah, I mean, there was a period of time where they were running a lot of opens every year, and every weekend was the same. It was standard on Saturday, legacy on Sunday. So if you wanted to play all the opens, you, you, it was beneficial to have a legacy deck. Uh, so, you know, that's where you would go and you'd play legacy like, 20 weekends a year and you'd see the same people all the time and people would be changing their decks around and doing all this stuff. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. So you kind of started to make your name for yourself, uh, in legacy. Then, uh, take us, so you took, you've taken down a couple of grand pricks over the years too. Haven't you? Yeah, but I've, I've pricked <laughs> a few opponents in my day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first one was, uh, Grand Prix Louisville in 2013 and that was a standard GP mm-hmm. and uh, I had actually just qualified for uh, the Pro Tour the weekend before which was my second Pro Tour I'd ever played but the first one had been years ago uh, and then once I won this GP I was able to kind of start chaining Pro Tour appearances together uh, and I actually haven't missed any Pro Tour since then so that was kind of the start of my pro career uh, and then I was able to also win another GP, which was GP New Jersey, which at the time I believe was the largest Grand Prix of all time. It's like yeah. 4,300 people or so- something around that amount. Uh, <laughs> that was a crazy event. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a wild event. Uh, it, was, it was legacy. Treasure Cruise was legal. And yeah. I had been working on this Just Guy uh, Stoneblade deck for quite – I don't know how long I'd been working on it, but I'd been grinding on Magic Online with the deck. And uh, I wrote an article about it, did a video with it. Um, nobody, there was no comments on my video, maybe one comment on my article. <laughs> like nobody paid any attention to it. And then I won the tournament with the deck. So, <laughs> hey, I read it. I read it. I sleeved that deck up and then I played uh, Sneak and Show anyways. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair choice. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that event, you taking it down. I mean, that is, if you're going to win a legacy GP, that's one to win that, that event was ridiculous. I don't think I've ever been to a magic like that before or since. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, I had already been to like 
that was when GPs were starting to get super, almost overcrowded. And yeah, that was, that was just a spectacle. How many people were at that tournament? <laughs> um, and I had felt the same way about GP Richmond too, which was like 3000 and some people as well. There were people like scavenging for food at GP New Jersey. I remember it's <laughs> just like, oh man, we got 15 minutes between rounds and the nearest food is like three miles away because <laughs> the concession stand has like an hour and a half long line to get food from <laughs> just the wild. West. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a good time, though. Uh, so, yeah, since then, you've been stringing together GPs uh, and pro tour appearances and then you took down uh, Worlds at the, uh, what what was it, about six months ago? Oh, uh, no, it was about, it was over a year. Oh, no. Yeah, it was. It's over a year. Wow, time flies. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> believe me, I know. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like that long ago to me, but it's been almost a year and a half, so. I, like, I'm thinking back, I'm like, yeah, we, we were playing with, like, Treasure Cruise just yesterday, right? Oh, oh, no. <laughs> we're going to be, like, seven years old, like, ah, oh, I can't believe they banned Treasure Cruise three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um so how how does worlds work like uh what do you have to do to get on the like the team uh yeah so the the world championship is is 24 player tournament uh once a year and there's a number of ways to qualify but basically the most common way is just they take the top pro point leaders uh for the season and then there was a couple of other ways. Like if you win a pro tour, you automatically qualify. Or if you have the most pro points in your region, it's like North America, South America, Europe. Uh, and there's a couple of regions in Asia. If you have like the top pro points in that region, you also qualify. Uh, and then the year I qualified, they had a couple of like special slots. And that's how I ended up qualifying was one of them was the GP master, which is the person who had accumulated the most Grand Prix uh, pro points that year and i ended up uh playing like i played 22 grand prix that year uh out of a possible 26 and ended up barely winning um it came down to the last grand prix of the season and seth manfield was in the top eight and if he won the tournament i would not take the grand prix master slot mm -hmm. and if he did anything other than win then i would i would win it and he ended up uh like missing his third land drop in the semifinals and i'm good friends with seth but i i, I was cheering pretty hard against him in that moment <laughs> i was like yes discard the hand size yes <laughs> oh man uh what uh what deck did you play in that event uh in worlds yeah worlds was uh because it, it's draft, and then is it is it standard? I forget what the format is. Yeah, so this year it was draft and standard only. The year that I played it was draft, standard, and uh, modern. Ah, uh, okay. So I ended up playing uh, what I call Bant in all formats. I played uh, Bant Company in standard, and then I played Bant Eldrazi in modern. Mm -hmm. And nice. I remember I remember watching that because the, the standard was the finals of that of that. It world, was right? yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that. That was an insane, insane uh, match to watch. It was really enjoyable. I can't believe you, you seem very calm afterwards, which always like blew my mind. How like that's such a major accomplishment. I would imagine I, I would be freaking out, but you were uh, you maintained a very level head, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's actually just I was so like in the zone in the moment of just how much yeah. like 
that that match just had so much riding on it that I just had to like mm-hmm. kind of get myself into this like zone. So it was it was kind of hard after the match was over to even pull myself out of it to you know almost enjoy the moment. <laughs> yeah, just like state. man, that guy's got he has a fucking ice water in his veins, man. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but under the table they actually had me hooked up to an IV with just ice water. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> nice. So uh, yeah, since then you also you came in top eight of the most recent uh, legacy, the Louisville Legacy GP. Was that the last Legacy GP? Um, Have we had one since Louisville? There was one in Las Vegas. Oh part yeah, part of the big thing. Part but of other than that, I think that's yeah. the most recent, at least North American Legacy GP. It's possible there's been mm-hmm. some around the world, but. Yeah, I think there might actually have been a Japanese one, if I remember correctly. I think there was. It all yeah. blurs together. <laughs> but uh, GP Louisville, GP Horse Stable, uh, as I like to call it. Yep, it was it was basically in a barn. But <laughs> yep, which which had a certain charm. Luckily, it was so cold. I heard apparently they use that venue during the summer, and playing in a barn is a lot less charming when it's like ninety five degrees outside and they're just surrounded by horse dung. <laughs> yeah uh, i didn't go to that uh, one but uh in retrospect i'm pretty happy about it so yeah <laughs> uh and uh what were you on for uh the the this most recent louisville gp uh, i was playing miracles um just a fairly oh, yeah. stock mentor miracles for the most part it was kind of uh uh so it was it was very much based on a list that i had gotten from wilson hunter with uh engineered explosives and and so on uh, but the core of the deck was basically just around Monastery Mentor, uh, outside of, of course, the Miracles cards, which were very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wilson, I know, does the uh, the Brainstorm uh, podcast, and uh, the Brainstorm Show podcast, I should say, and those guys all love the, the Miracles deck. They really tailor them to the existing metagames, so those are really good guys to uh, to use as a, as a reference for sure. Yeah, and uh, they just came out with a new show. They took a bit of a hiatus, so it was it's good hearing them back on the airwaves. Yeah, for sure. Uh, plus, Wilson messaged me today, and he said that they're tackling a question I posed to them as the first part of their next episode. So, nice. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, those guys are those guys are great, man. They it, they are. It was the... not a serious question, though, Pat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. So. Since uh, since the top banning, what uh, what what have you switched to? Are you on new miracles? Or are you finding greener pastures in uh, Legacy? Uh, well, green slash black pastures, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I've I've tried a bunch of things. I I was on uh, I tried the new miracles for a bit because uh, I played GP Legacy or GP Las Vegas as well, so I tested up to that, and uh, I was testing a lot with the new miracles, but I didn't think it was powerful enough. And then I switched over to uh, Grixis Control, uh, which is what I played in that GP. Uh, it did not go well for me. Um, and then past that point, I've been uh, toying with uh, some various Delver decks. I've tried some with uh, Soltai Delver and Grixis. Uh, I've played around with the four-color uh, check pile decks. Uh, and now I'm kind of actually back full circle to the new Miracles deck again, so... I guess I just I can't keep my hands away from Monastery Mentor, but it's doing good. Search for Ascanta seems to have really given the deck the boost it needed. Yeah, that um, yeah, totally. That's actually what what drew me back in was I didn't think it was good enough before, but I think I think Search might make it uh, powerful. 
powerful enough now. Yeah. Uh, I also especially, I realized how powerful Search for Ascanta was when the new Holiday Cube came out, and I'm, like, picking it extremely high, uh, highly in that very powerful cube. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some there's some powerhouse cards in that one, so that's certainly yeah. a, a notch <laughs> for its power to be able to be, you know, even playable in that environment. Exactly. Um, I think that segues well. Do you want to do our Week in Legacy? Did you play any Legacy this week, Pat? Man, no, I honestly with for me, like the busiest time of year is, is are the holidays. And so like having time to, to jam a couple leagues has been impossible. But I definitely will be uh, back on the leagues this week and streaming a few. So oh. uh, people can can check that out for sure. Nice. So uh, Pat's our usual disappointment. Thanks, Pat. Oh, as yeah. I'm like, hey, if I'm, if I'm any, I am nothing if not consistent, Jerry, you know, true, true. <laughs> Thank you for being my rock. Of course. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Ryan? You play any Legacy this week? Oh uh, yeah, actually, I played a little bit on Magic Online. Um, well, mostly just with new miracles, but I, I think I played a couple matches with some other decks too. Cool. Uh, just leagues, one on one. Is that kind of like how often would you say you uh, play a Magic Online Legacy? Like daily, weekly? Uh, well, it depends. If I have a tournament to prepare for, which as of now I actually do, then I'll play a lot. Uh, and if I don't, I usually try to sneak a league in every couple weeks or so just for fun nice mm. awesome uh i played some paper magic this week oh yeah yeah went to uh gaming etc on friday uh which was like the last tournament before the year ended mm-hmm. uh just a bunch of people were going so i wanted to go and see everyone and nice. uh i sleeved up that uh bug delver deck i've been brewing uh, oh, for yeah. a while now with, like, uh, Thought Scours and multiple Gurmag Anglers and Tomb Stalkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, collective Brutalities, too. And, uh, yeah, I ended up uh, going undefeated the entire night. Nice. Uh, split the finals. I played against uh, Grixis Delver round one. I stuck a Deathrite Shaman and untapped with it, and he didn't. So I just mm-hmm. won that game easily. Um, Infect. Uh it's pretty easy with that matchup when you're running like Fatal Push, Abrupt Decay, and Collective Brutality. Just like a ton of removal, uh, plus like discard and counter magic. It just felt like the Infect player couldn't couldn't do much. And mm-hmm. then I played against uh, Ad Nauseum Tendrils, and okay. I you know uh, I think he comboed me out. Like it just went back and forth. Um, he. He was like one short of comboing, comboing me off uh, before I killed him, and then in game two, I just had like uh, Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize, Collective Brutality, Surgical Extraction, and just like lights out. Oh, so you, you cheated the last game. Yeah, okay. I cheated the last game, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the deck just like feels unstoppable. It's, you know, I prefer to not play Deathrite Shaman and Delver's Secrets, but I just can't not do well with that deck, so I feel I yeah. just have to play it. <laughs> I, I, I really think, like, Grixis or Bug are, like, probably the... Probably, I think Grixis is probably the strongest deck mm-hmm. in Legacy right now, overall. Um, but well, that's that's why I like my Bug Delver list, is because it's kind of tailored to just destroy yeah. Grixis Delver. Like, right, I right. just go, like, a half-step bigger than them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being able yeah, to Tomb play... Tomb Stalker seems to beat Gurmag Angler. Yeah, well, it's also just, like, I can consistently play, like, a turn three Gurmag Angler or a turn three Tomb Stalker. Mm-hmm. Like, turn one Deathrite Shaman, 
turn to like either a cantrip or a delver into like a thought scour or like collective brutality escalated into a thought scour like i just power out these these five fives on turn mm-hmm. three like just a- every time yeah so i'm liking the deck i'm probably gonna bring it with me to uh gp seattle unless i like something else catches my eye between now yeah and then. We, we got a couple months before then so that'll be that'll be i mean i'm really looking forward to that gp i think that'll be a lot of fun yeah, I've already decided I'm not playing Sneak and Show, mostly because I want to do a road trip and drive down to California after the GP, and I don't feel comfortable bringing uh, $15,000 <laughs> worth of cardboard with me on a uh, <laughs> road trip in a strange land. Yeah, that's fair. That seems fair. Uh, are you uh, you going to go to GP Seattle, Brian? Yeah, I, uh, I plan on it. No idea what I'll be playing, but uh, I, would, I wouldn't miss it unless something major was you know, happening instead. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, I guess, do we want to get into our main topic tonight? Just kind of current state of legacy. Yeah. So, uh, Brian, I, you know, you've kind of, this goes back to your article a little bit. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about legacy right now as a format? Yeah. So I kind of touched on it in my article, um, that I feel like, Legacy has kind of become uh, dominated by Deathrite Shaman. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's still possible to compete uh, without playing Deathrite. In fact, the deck that I'm playing right now doesn't play the card. Uh, not that I know for sure that I'm capable of competing against it, but um, still. And and I know that it's uh, you know it's a, it's a fair card. It's a creature card, which traditionally is uh, not what they're looking to ban uh, in Legacy. And and I don't even think they should ban the card. Um, Anyway, but uh, I do feel like that Deathrite has kind of put its stranglehold on Legacy in a lot of ways, uh, in that it's kind of homogenized a lot of these decks and allowed a lot of decks to play uh, a little bit more extreme cards than they normally be able to. I mean, three and four color decks were certainly a thing before Deathrite Shaman, but uh, it was a little bit harder to get it together and a little bit more susceptible to something like Wasteland, uh, whereas Deathrite's just so good against Wasteland. Um, but... Mm-hmm. Outside of that, uh, I think that there's, I mean, it's still a legacy. There's still a lot of uh, fun things to do. And uh, I've even seen some, like, decks uh, springing up that are that are kind of interesting that um, I, I hadn't seen before, really. Uh, not within the last, like, year. But uh, certainly, like, kind of on the newer end of things. Like, there's, a, there's like, a Cloud Post deck with Eldrazi. Um, and while Cloud Post decks have been a thing for a while, this one's kind of, like, a little bit differently built. Uh, I've seen that that deck a bunch, and some various like Nick Fit decks with Cruel Reality and the like have been mm. springing up. So there's still a lot of cool things going on in Legacy, um, even though I, th- I feel like Deathrite Shaman has kind of uh, really homogenized a lot of the fair decks in format. Yeah, I, I, I can kind of echo that for sure. I think that it's probably worse, generally speaking, in on Magic Online than it is in paper. I think people are a little bit more remiss to change their... Uh, change your paper decks as often, or maybe not able to as easily as you can on Magic Online. Um, but I definitely think that uh, we've seen Deathrite Shaman become the dominant creature in the format right behind, you know, right uh, before Delver of Secrets. And I think that uh, it, I think that the, the the biggest issue with Grixis, with with uh, with Deathrite Shaman is that it just does so many things. It's not like a, it's a creature that is like a uh, you know uh, Delver of Secrets that kind of contorts your deck to a single to a, a very specific strat- strategy um death right shaman is really like a 
it's a, a multi-tool in this game. And I think it's, I think that's pro- part of the reasons why it's become so popular. And the fact that it like pairs so well with wasteland um, kind of puts it in a st- very strongly in contention to be, uh, you know, the, the best card in the format. My, uh, my three matches on Friday were a perfect example of that against Grixis Delver. I stuck death, Shaman and my opponent did it didn't. So I just had a huge tempo swing, swing over them, which meant my dazes were more relevant and their dazes were less relevant. So I was able to take over the match that way. Um, against Infect, it's a 1-2 blocker, so it can block uh, random uh, things, either like a Noble Swing or a... Uh, uh, what's the other one? Is it Glistener? The Glistener Elf, yeah, yeah. like type, Yeah, like I could block... I could against in fact yeah i could uh, block glistener elf um plus uh, and then against uh ad nauseum tendrils it's graveyard removal so i made his mm-hmm. past and flames useless right it's like three separate very different matchups and death right shaman played a big role in all three of them yeah yeah, yeah certainly not dead there's certainly no matchup where the card is dead um even at, you know even if they play like rest in peace I and mean, you can still attack for one it's not great but you know it's a thing that can happen. Right. Squire is squire. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm not opposed to squiring people, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, and I just feel against, like, especially the fair decks, like the mirror match is just so, and it's it's not even like the mirror match in the same deck. It's just if you are playing a three-color tempo-style deck, if you are playing another blue-based ba- uh, Rite Shaman deck, Whoever keeps their Deathrite Shaman pretty much wins the game, which I yeah. I don't like as much. Yeah, I think the same can be said about Delver Secrets, though, in matchups like that. Um, you know, whoever keeps their Delver is more likely to win the game, or whoever keeps their Delver longer. Uh, now you're going to um, get into John Madden territory. Generally, the team that scores the most touchdowns wins no, the well, game. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like whichever person lands the most um, uh, uh, relevant creature or is able to keep it around the longest is going to win. Like that's pretty pretty obvious, but I do understand what you're saying where like like Deathrite Shaman becomes disproportionately important in those matches. Yeah, I mean I think it's I, I think what you're saying definitely makes a lot of sense. I mean it, it I think it even uh falls true for non uh creature permanents too. Like sometimes Sylvan Library can do that or Jace or something mm-hmm. um can put pressure on your opponent to have to do something uh immediately or else they just fall too far behind to win. And I mean, I think the the main difference is just that Deathrite almost demands an answer as early as turn one or turn two. Sometimes you can let yeah. Delver hit you a couple of times, uh, and then some of the enchantments yeah. like Search for His Canto or uh, Sylvan Library will take a couple of turns for their advantage to be fully realized. So mm-hmm. that's the major. I, yeah, and I think like the other thing too is like yeah, you can let De- like exactly what you're saying you can let Delver hit you a few times without being in too much of war shape. But because Deathrite's able to cheat mana so often um, by exiling lands, like they're able to cheat mana, which is hugely uh, important in in Legacy, especially, um, which I think kind of lends to the fact that it's such a, you know, such a problem, uh, especially in the early game. Mm-hmm. Also, the fact that it's just a win condition. Uh, that's right. when I was playing against Infect uh, early on. Deathrite Shaman stabilized me. And then once I uh, removed his, like, big threats, I basically just built up a hand of counter spells and removal and just chipped away at my opponent with Deathrite Shaman for, uh, mm-hmm. like, five turns. Yeah. Yeah, that'll get you there. Yeah. Uh, but 
we didn't we didn't want to complain about death right shaman tonight <laughs> uh, so <laughs> despite despite the shadow that looms over legacy how, how do you feel about kind of like how legacy's heading are you hopeful for legacy's future what what, what are kind of your thoughts on that um yeah actually i i am because i i like the fact that uh now legacy is becoming a part of uh some of the more uh important professional level events which i think might get the format a little bit more um needed boost in a way whereas uh before it kind of thrived off of the open series uh where legacy Mm. was huge in the open series even though it didn't see much you know you maybe had one legacy gp a year or something like that but now you have all these team gps where legacy is going to factor into that now they have the team pro tour where legacy is a part of that. Uh, and they might even, it seems like there's even been a little bit higher frequency of legacy GPs, individual ones as well recently yeah. within the last few yeah, years. Yeah, there has been. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Go ahead. yeah, I was going to say, it just seems like legacy is becoming a more important part of the professional scene, which uh, I think is a good thing in that it, it, I mean, it can be both. It can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but I think it's, it's a good thing in that it's be, makes the format more uh, popularly played uh, and hopefully draws new people to the format, which is good. Uh, I think it could sometimes Mm -hmm. be a bad thing in that if too many people are focusing on it, it can kind of uh, almost solve itself. Not, I don't think that legacy can be solved necessarily, but it certainly can uh, get drawn down into fewer and fewer decks that are competitive options. I kind of have a question for you also in in that vein. Um, You know, a lot of people, I've heard the concern that like, oh, you know, if the legacy becomes a pro tour, if legacy becomes a pro tour format, you know, the pros are going to be able to solve the format, break the format. Um, Do you, do you kind of like really buy into that? Do you think that like a legacy pro tour is going to change the metagame that much? Or do you more expect it to be uh, people are going to play kind of existing decks, maybe with slight twists on them and then kind of, play the matchup lottery so to speak uh well i think if it's one pro tour like it is this year that people would just play existing decks i don't think it's gonna do like i don't think i think those fears are a little bit unfounded um yeah but i think if it became a format that was played as often as something like standard is uh then those those fears would start to become a little bit more uh possible i i could say mm-hmm. i mean in the same vein though like if you look at modern modern has had so many people playing it, professionals and non. Uh, it doesn't seem like modern has really ever gotten solved. So uh, there's certainly the chance that legacy, uh, you know, just isn't actually a solvable format, or at least not something that uh, humans are capable of solving. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it could certainly get to be like in modern. There's been a lot of decks that have kind of fallen by the wayside as more powerful strategies have emerged. So that could definitely yeah. happen. I feel like Legacy is a little bit slower to adapt in that regard because it's not as much of a high-level competitive format as much as just kind of a, a, like a fun format. So yeah. I think that yeah. if that was the case, that some, there's going to be some decks that kind of fall by the wayside a little bit more. Well, that makes a lot of sense. One, the only kind of kernel of truth I see in, in those fears uh, that I think is legitimate is that if it became a more regular occurrence, it would give an unfair advantage to the more established teams or the teams with sponsors. 
Um, like say we find ourselves in a meta where lands is just pans down the best deck and you need the tabernacles in order for it to fully function as the best deck. Those teams that have stores backing them, those teams that have the connections are going to be able to play the lands decks with the tabernacles where other people are not. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's so, definitely a thing. Uh, I mean, I know personally I'm kind of limited in what I can play in legacy myself, unless I find somebody who's like not going to the same tournament as, as me, who's willing to let me let, uh, borrow a deck. Uh, cause like, I don't, I don't own a tabernacle. I don't want to buy one. I don't want to spend that much money to buy one. Uh, things like, don't that. worry, Brian, I, I got you. I got you if you need it. So, I mean, I, I built up a collection of kind of the bear deck dual lands over the years from playing different decks, kind of buying one every now and then, uh, when I need it for a deck and then just hanging on to them so I can play basically all the fair decks with my collection. But uh, yeah, if I ever wanted to branch out to one of those decks, I I would have to invest either a ton of money or have the backing of a team like that. So I, I definitely mm. agree with you that like card availability is certainly a thing, even for professionals uh, when it comes to legacy. Yeah, because you know unless you're backed by one of the major stores, if that store has. Uh, you know, five or six players, maybe the maybe they even the teams with sponsors, it's like, oh, we have three tabernacles and five of you want to play lands. Two of you have yeah. to go without. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so that's a possibility. Uh, going back a little bit, we mentioned how Legacy used to be wholly centered on the SCG circuit. Uh, I'm going to make a very controversial claim, probably going to get some hate mail before this, because I know it does. It did not have this universal effect, but I actually think Star City Games dropping Legacy was one of the better things to happen to Legacy. Oh, really? Um, I just feel uh, the community just and also other stores just got, got, got kind of complacent with SCG is the one that has the Legacy circuit. That's what everyone's focused on. When SCG dropped Legacy, the Legacy community like snapped out of it and freaked out and started demanding tournaments. And we saw huge increases in the number of local and regional size tournaments uh, for yeah. Legacy players. And I know for people who were in like Kansas or the West Coast and Florida that didn't really have the established scenes to support it, and the you know traveling SCG circuit was their one and only shot to ever play Legacy. I know it sucks for them, but at least from my experience on the East Coast, we saw a huge swelling of Legacy participation after Star City Games made the announcement. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true as well. I don't think a lot of the places in the Midwest were getting a ton of Star City Games events anyway. Right, mm -hmm. like they they seem to stick more to the East Coast, um, so I, I don't think it was a huge loss for a lot of our friends out there. But uh, uh, hopefully, we see that trend of you know stores starting to to pick up the format. To hopefully, it continues to spread uh, into the Midwest and whatnot. Yeah, because I know a lot of people out there are begging for those big events to come their way. Yeah, I will say probably the biggest loss though is just the loss of having a major legacy tournament on stream every weekend because yeah. Stores do stream, but because it's now instead of one centralized spot where you go every weekend to watch Legacy, it's now spread out over to like numerous different stores in various regions. There isn't one centralized spot to watch Legacy every weekend, so I think that was a downside. But as far as like getting out there and being able to play Legacy, I felt it was actually a huge bo uh, boost for us. Brian, yeah, I've, yeah. Brian, did you have a similar experience, or is your experience kind of different? No, I think that's actually a pretty good uh, perspective to have on that. And I also think that maybe even like SCG dropping Legacy 
a lot of people probably sold out of their legacy cards, maybe make, even made it easier for some other people to buy in. Uh, at least for some of yeah. those cards, I think I think have gone down in value. I know others like some of the legends cards and so forth have have not. But um... <laughs> <laughs> basically, the cards that don't actually see play in legacy got went on huge spikes. <laughs> yeah, all those moats and so forth. But yeah, <laughs> uh, that was actually just me. Okay. <laughs> that was me. Sorry about that. I bought a single moat last year. <laughs> wow, you have that'll ruin do the entire that... market. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we joke, but that's actually what happened to Tabernacle. Like a little while ago, like three people decided to buy a Tabernacle and it went up $500 in value. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. What uh, what sort of local events do you see? Are you still in Roanoke or where where are you now? Uh, yeah, I'm in Roanoke. Um, I don't usually end up playing that many local events because I'm constantly traveling to tournaments. But uh, I know mm-hmm. they do run local events uh, around here from time to time. So. Uh, I, I think that was something that was going on even before, um, even while the SCG tour was going on in this area, but it's certainly not having the SCG tour certainly caused people to, I guess, kind of value those events a little bit higher. Right. It took away the safety net and now people woke up and realized like, oh shit, if I actually want to play this format, I actually have to make an effort for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, sometimes lighting a fire under people's asses is a good thing. <laughs> uh, and now we're seeing Star City Games adding it back with all these team series that they're uh, they're adding. Yeah, I think that the team series is a really neat format. I th- and I think that it um, and this is not a swipe at, at professional magic players like you, Brian, but I think the team series seem to benefit professional players quite a bit because you have such a strong team across the three seats and and just a. Um, because it helps to minimize variance, I think. I think it's great for for professional players. Do you, how do you feel about team series events like that? Uh, I mean, I love I love them, and I mean, I, I agree they certainly do uh, benefit professional teams more, especially in limited, where you see the same teams over and over again in the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, it, it certainly benefits. I, I think I personally feel like it benefits everyone. Uh, well, okay, not, definitely not everyone, but it, it benefits a lot. <laughs> it benefits a lot of people because uh, a couple of reasons. One is that it certainly, like, professional players are happier about going to these events because they feel like they have a better chance with a good team. Um, and also other players, I, I like the fact that, you know, some players like to play standard, some players like to play legacy, you know, there's there's a bunch of people who only play Legacy, or there's people who consider themselves modern players, and those mm-hmm. players get to play their format as much as they want to, uh, if if they have these team trio events because every every event is a Legacy event, you know, or a modern event or whatever. Yep. So yep. it definitely benefits players like that, and I also think that there's certainly room for uh, teams of players that. Um, you know, maybe aren't like professional level players, but they each they each have their little niche where one person plays a ton of legacies, really good at legacy. One person plays a ton of moderns, mm-hmm. really good at modern. Like those teams can definitely go really far in tournament, even against professionals. I know that a lot of these tournaments I played, we played against teams where I didn't recognize any of the players and have been very impressed with how they played. And you know, they went deep into the tournament. So yeah, 
Yeah, and again, it, it, it's you know definitely not a swipe at the professional players because I think I think you guys get the short end of the stick a lot of times, unfortunately, uh, especially in a game like Magic, which is just so so swingy and you're so much is left to variance. I mean, it is a skill game, obviously, but there's a lot of things that are just completely out of your control. And I like to see events like that that really reward great players uh, that go to these events together. I think also like it has the um, added benefit of everyone who's who I know who's attended these team events have loved them because they're just so much more fun than going to a GP by yourself. Like my experience, I played in a few GPs myself and like, it's just a long day where you're by yourself a lot of the time, like wandering around these massive halls. Like sometimes you're able to meet up with your friends in between rounds, but sometimes you're just not able to do that. And it's pretty cool that you have these team events where you are with two of your fr- of likely two of your friends. I mean, they could be two strangers. I don't know, but two people who you at least get along with that you're able to kind of travel through this tournament with. And to me, that seems like a really cool spin on, uh, on like a big magic event kind of thing that we haven't seen before. So I'm really excited to try to play in one of these events myself. So Pat, you're saying you like these events because it forces two people to hang out with you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got, two people are able to carry my stuff through a tournament. Yes, I do enjoy that, Jerry. Absolutely. Um, I will say though, I think it's good that the team events just naturally favor pros in that it's good for just building the brand of magic and professional magic. Uh, I think magic has had a problem with having their pros be like recognizable household names compared to other uh, tournaments like uh, League of Legends. Like I have a League of Legends players jersey in my closet. I don't have (laughs) just a nerd jersey. (laughs) But lots of people do. It's like you go to these (laughs) events and they have like all of these all these like jerseys. It's like I don't have a Reed Duke jersey in my closet. I mean, I probably should, but (laughs) (laughs) like Magic, I feel could go uh, a long way in building up the pros and their visibility. And I think these team tournaments are awesome because, you know, People like teams. They like having a team that they can root for even more than just like an individual player. Um, So I think it's important. Like Peach Garden Oath is a great example of that. Like lots of people like that team because they like that group of people. Yeah. And I think a lot of people also like that team, even despite like sometimes like there's, you know, you might say like, oh, I don't really like this player that much, but you can still like the team that they're on just for, you know, for any number of reasons, just because they're really good. Or they have this like cool team dynamic that like lets you enjoy them even beyond a player. I mean, I know in professional sports, like I'll like a sports team even though there's somebody on the team that I'm just like can't stand that guy, but I still like the team. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I think I think it's great for for the magic community uh, to to see that sort of interaction and you know get to know the players on that level. So hopefully we see more of it. Hopefully this is the trend that uh you know Wizards go th- goes to in the future. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Good. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you going to? Uh, is Santa Clara the next uh, team GP? Yeah, Santa Clara is the next one. I'll be I'll be playing in that one. Uh, playing the legacy cards for my team. So oh, what nice. I've been nice. I've been I've been training myself up. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm not a disappointment to my teammates. But. <laughs> and uh, who, who are your teammates? Uh, I'm teaming with uh, Seth Manfield and Frank Scarin. Nice. Uh, can you tell us what your deck is, or is it hush hush? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really care that much. I'm playing. Uh, well, at least right now, I've been testing with the uh, the new Miracle deck with Search for Scanta. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably going to play that. Although I would say that it's probably. I would not say that it's the best deck in Legacy, but 
Uh, it certainly suits my style better than any of the other decks. Um, just played so yeah. much Miracles over the years that it's. I, I know I play. I pilot this deck better than I pilot a lot of its other decks. Um, but yeah, I think I think I might. I could audible to play in one of those four color decks, but right now I'm probably gonna just play this. Yeah, I think I personally. I mean, I mean obviously, you are a much better uh, a- analyst for the format than I am. I I, I do feel like kind of the check pile deck is probably on the downswing. I think Grixis is probably the the best deck or or one of the two best decks uh, right with miracles there, um, but I, I'm be very excited to watch that event. Do you know if it's going to be streamed? Uh, I it must I be, don't, right? but I think it I think it probably will be. Yeah, yeah, it probably awesome. will. It's going to be a question of how much is the legacy portion streamed. They, well, I mean, the last time they had a, a team event, they seemed to do the legacy portion quite a bit. It seemed to like to go back and forth between legacy and and uh, modern quite a bit, if I'm not mistaken. So. Um, I'd be happy to see that again. I think like people know a lot of what's going on in standard. So, and I don't think we'll have, that won't be a new standard format. Will it like completely new? No, it's still, well, still the same. Yeah. So I bet we'll see a lot of legacy and modern. Cause those are, those are the only two formats that have had actual GP growth over the last four years, like GP attendance growth. So, um, it seems like the, the eternal formats quote unquote are the ones that are, that are growing the, at least the popularity of magic. Uh, the most right now, at least in the GP attendance. Yeah, I, I imagine they will cover standard as little as they possibly can. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be my guess, but it, it's probably going to be a yeah. lot of energy mirrors and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, no one wants to see that. Spe- no. <laughs> Speaking of new standard, do we want to talk about uh, the couple new uh, spoiler cards that came out? The, the only one that I saw that is even remotely impactful in legacy is probably the the merfolk mistbinder which is the new merfolk merfolk lord uh for green and the blue for a two two that gives other merfolk plus one plus one everything else that i've seen is a real stretch i don't think any of them are worth playing in legacy um i like fuck where did it go the new uh elder dinosaurs that's uh i they're cool but like the fact that they're legendary and don't do anything they don't kill they're legendary they don't kill your opponent and they don't threaten to kill your opponent right away i think it makes them not that like what are you gonna do replace a grizzle brand for a five five flyer with a bunch of keywords or no replace not, the, an not the white one i'm talking the red one not the or isn't the red one still a five five no don't know it's a so oh, sorry it's a six six <laughs> It's a it's a six six. The whole, so the sneak and show community is actually pretty excited about that card, um, because sneak and show for <sighs> a while has been looking for a a hard castable threat that's like people tried out Inferno Titan, Combustible Gear Hulk, Worm Coil Engine, kind of in the vein of the mono red sneak attack deck. Yep. Um, and the whole thing is it's 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 an it's a A and a B, as in it's the A part of the combo <sighs> and the B part of the combo, where you can either cheat it into play. Or you can hard cast it, and it cheats your other things into play. It's curving in like Jace into uh, no, yes, oh uh. my god. So can I? <laughs> so let me. I'll just there read this is. card for all the people who, who are too lazy to look it up. Italy, primal storm. Itali, Itali primal storm. <laughs> it's four red red for a legendary creature, elder dinosaur. So already it's got a knock against it being legendary. When was the uh, last whenever... time, Brian? Are you playing Caracas in your miracles list? Are you even running Caracas anymore? Uh, I don't think I've played Caracas in the last four years. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Being anyway, a legendary creature is not the knock on it it used to be. It, it is a, it is it's still a knock. So, no one's playing uh, Caracas. Whenever, whenever this creature attacks, you can exile the top card of each player's library. Then you may cast any number of non-land cards, exile this way without paying their mana cost. And then it's a 6-6. Six, six. So, like, not only is this able to be chump blocked by the billion Deathrite Shamans you will face. Uh, it doesn't, like, ma- it doesn't you, need to connect. You're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have to... You're going to have to, I mean, again, this is legacy, so manipulating the top of your library is not difficult. However, if you're able to manipulate the top of your library, you'll probably be able to put something more important into play, like an Omniscience, or an Emrakul, or a Grizzlebrand, no, or that's an actual the, sneak attack. That's the whole so, point, Pat. You play this, and then you attack, you put friggin' Omniscience or Emrakul on top. It counts as a cast, so if you put Emrakul on top of your library, attack with this, put Emrakul into play, take an extra turn trigger, boom. Or oh, what's even so better bad. in Sneak and Show, you so... curve Jace into this, you fate seal your opponent, because you also get something off the top of your opponents, so you can I fate seal your that. opponent and put it on the bottom if you want, if you don't like it, and try something new. Jerry, I respect you so much as a magic player. This card is so bad. Oh my <laughs> like, god. I'm gonna like, beat your face saying, with this. Saying, I can't I'm gonna wait. top I'm gonna look at the top card of my wait. opponents. Jerry, this is this card is, is so bad, wait. and I can't wait for you to bring it to a GP and just get crushed because like it's. It, I understand where you're coming from, but like this is not. You're getting, you know, it's not. Don't get me wrong. It's not great. You're trying to make Sneaky Show like a, a a three or four card combo deck, and it's not, man. You're like not, you just want to get an uh, Emrakul. It's, like, it's insurance. Show is an easy. It's an easy. You don't need insurance. It's insurance. Yes, you do need insurance. Deck. That's what. Yes, you do need insurance. Oh God, this is this is terrible. I'm so sorry, Brian. I'm so embarrassed that we had to do this on the cast. I'm just trying to think of a new name for the deck when it's when it if it transitions this way. Cause it can't, it's not sneak and show anymore. It's like it's like bash and show or something like. <laughs> uh, we should name it Bane of Patrick. <laughs> that is the oh, deck's it, new it's name. Got, like, it's just like it, you're gonna feel so bad when you pay six mana, like using like two ancient tombs, do four damage to yourself just to get it, just to get it sourced to plowshared. Like it's gonna, it's just terrible, man. It's so bad. It doesn't it, it's. Ugh. I can't believe you're making an argument for this card, Jerry. I'm all flustered now. I said I wasn't going to talk much in this cast, and now my voice is completely blown out because of this goddamn card, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, can I do? Can I say I just saw this new card that is actually super interesting? But I got. Sure. I thought it was actually they reprinted Hive Mind. Like what? <laughs> uh, induced Amnesia. The art looks a lot like Hive Mind when you. Oh yeah, have, that's a cool card. When you guys so two in a blue for an enchantment. When induced amnesia enters the battlefield, target player exiles their hand face down, then draws that many cards. When induced amnesia is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return the exiled cards to their owner's hands. That's cool. That seems interesting. Yeah, um, there's certainly applications with that card. It's it's the problem of having a reliable way to sacrifice enchantments, which I don't think there is one. <laughs> Because you don't have to discard the cards that you draw. So if you have a way to uh, to sacrifice an enchantment, um, this effectively doubles your hand size. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It also it also could be. Pre- I mean, it seems like it would be really good with uh, Notion Thief or Leovold in play too. Uh, oh yeah, yeah for that sure. Too. Spirit of the Labyrinth, something like that. Uh, we actually saw on the, uh, I wanted to bring it up later, but the, the Legacy Challenge, the Moto Challenge, uh, I think mm. it was in like ninth place, was a Dak Faden, uh Leovold deck, which is a cute Ooh, little. I like that. Yeah, cute, <laughs> cute little uh, combo there. Was, that the, 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 was it also playing, um, 
uh, Grove of the Burnwells was the Grixis Thieves deck? No, I, I've been playing that list for a while with uh, uh, Thing in the Ice back in the day. Um, but it, I know that deck, but it was it, it was kind of different for that because it was also running like Liliana's. Um, I guess we can jump into the challenge now, but real quick, just to talk about uh, Merfolk Misbinder. Uh, Merfolk got another Lord because that's what it needed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two mana Lord. It's not. It's good for them. I mean, all their Lords are two mana. Oh, I, as in not a three mana Lord like the other Lords. Right, which is which is what I mean by a two mana lord. Yes, Jerry, <laughs> I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> yeah, the Mer- Merfolk Mistbinder is a is a green and a blue, uh, for a two two Merfolk Shaman and just other creature other Merfolk you control get plus one plus one. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, they'll be able to play it with all the caverns they run. I mean, I don't think they do. They they don't splash green often, right? No, Merfolk but just, apparently, usually mono blue. Modern Merfolk is already splashing green because there's that one yeah. mana two two that's in green. Yeah, like they're running like they like could also run like Collected Company in in modern as well, which this would be a nice addition to that that deck. So yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, also, just real quick, I'm gonna bring it up because three people have already texted it to me so far. <laughs> but uh, Bishop of Binding. So What's this? it's another it's just another stupid tool for death and taxes because that deck oh, needs okay. more toolbox cards. Uh, <laughs> Bishop of Binding, three and a white for a one one. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. Uh, whenever Bishop of Binding attacks, target vampire. It itself is a vampire, so it can target itself. Gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the power of the exiled oh. card. That's kind of cool, actually. I've had three people all message me the same message of grab your ever cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'd be cool to like, you know, to, to bring it off of a vial on four. Um, Can you repeat that sentence, Pat? <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, I understand that. So like, so you do want to like tick your vial up past where you ever want it to be anyway. Right. Um, but it, but yeah, like I, I see what you're saying. And I, it, it's probably not going to be a playable card in, in the deck, but. It's just a cool toolbox card, right? Mm. Seems really similar to, uh, what is it, J- something Jailer, Palace Jailer, I guess? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Palace Jailer, I think, can nab anything, so I still think Palace Jailer keeps that spot. Yeah. Just because this card's better against Sneak and Show, and Palace Jailer's better against everything else, pretty much. I think the Monarch <laughs> monarch aspect of that card, too, is just a nice effect. Yeah. yeah. Monarch's huge, especially for death and taxes. Um, any other cards that catch your eye, Brian? Maybe not even necessarily for Legacy. Um, actually, the the one card I think is pretty cool is uh, the Green Black Enchantment Journey to Eternity. Oh yeah, I just oh, yeah, cool. this one. This one is cool. Yeah, so you can enchant a creature you control. Whenever it dies, you get to return the creature to the battlefield and also it to the battlefield, flipped over as a land that lets you uh, rebuy creatures from your graveyard to play. So, yeah, and it's a rainbow land. Yeah, so you can add mana fixing plus three green. Oh, that's black. pretty neat. I didn't realize that. Yeah, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. I feel nice. I feel that's an auto include in pretty much like every cube that has a reanimator theme. In yeah, it. and like like there's a lot of EDH decks that are gonna love this card as well. Yeah, it's like it'd be cool to see people do some stuff with this in standard or even even modern. I don't know. Yeah, I think it I think it has like a some applications in in older formats just because of mm-hmm. uh you know you could put it on a creature that sacks itself pretty easily there's a bunch of them um oh nick fit might want this yeah you could put it on veteran ex- well i guess yeah 
Uh, maybe that's not the so best. That might be too much work, but yeah, that's too. Hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you could see like I'm trying to think of like what decks in Legacy might want this. Maybe like some pox variants or something like that. It just feels like any creatures you want on it that's going to be self-sacking. You might not necessarily want back, but who knows? Can't can't brainstorm all the cards. <laughs> but you can, Jerry. Oh, you're right. You're right. All right. This is going to be a ten hour cast while we sit here and go through Gatherer. Uh, but yeah, no, that is cool. I also I really like the art on it. Yeah, it's like going in as an old man, like going into the cave and then coming coming out, and there's like the reincarnation theme going on. It's just it's cool yeah. concept art. Cool. Nice. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we see some uh, some more good stuff out of the set. I'm excited for the rest of the legendary dinosaur cycle, Pat. What are you excited <laughs> for? <laughs> I'm excited for the little two two for three that uh, can't be blocked by dinosaurs. It's just going to beat your guys. That's what I like. I'm sorry. He's a t- he's a two three for three. River darter can't be blocked by dinosaurs. Good game set match. Awesome point. Me. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, Jerry, you want to go over the, the questions we had from, uh, oh, yeah. from listeners for, for Brian? Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I think William had a really good question here. Uh, he'd love to hear more about your process for writing magic magic articles, which I think a lot of people are really interested in magic articles as a, as a way to uh, conv- convey like their ideas and stuff. But I imagine like having to write articles – consistently has got to be pretty difficult after a while. Like I can probably think of like two or three topics off the top of my head that I want to write about, but then having to come up with a third, fourth, fifth one would be extremely difficult. So you can, can you tell us about like your process for writing and how you, how you like go about starting your articles and things like yeah, that? Yeah. I mean, what you said is definitely true. I, I like when I first started writing, I was like, Oh, I could write like five or six articles or whatever. And then, uh, after that, I would never know what to write about ever again. But, um, it actually, I don't know, it almost feels like, I, I feel like it's almost the same as when Watsi builds sets. It's like, how can they come up with any new cards? Everything's already been made. And then they still yeah. find a way to do it. So uh, I feel like there's always something to write about. And whether or not I find it or not is uh, up to me. But um, I think that basically my process is I usually, throughout the week, I kind of think of, things that I think might be an interesting idea to write about. Um, I actually had something happen earlier this week that I wrote down. I uh, took a note about to maybe consider writing an article with using that in some way. It was, um, it was a game where my opponent conceded without casting a spell. And mm-hmm. my thought was like, how do you sideboard against that? Yeah. So I thought yeah. that might be an interesting <laughs> article topic, uh, because I brought in like eight cards out of my sideboard and, um, mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting thought, you know, experiment. And maybe I could make an article out of it with some other examples and stuff. So a lot of times, like during the week, I think of things like that. And then in terms of actually writing articles itself, I usually try to um, write articles with the intention of what would the reader get out of this? Like, I want to make sure that I'm Mm -hmm. writing something that is provides information that's useful to people and or entertaining to people sometimes too but uh, i want to make sure Mm -hmm. that i'm like not just writing an article um that it actually has a point to it and that it has uh 
and then it's laid out in a way that somebody who reads it can read the article and then actually like use the information from it themselves. Uh, Jared, did you want to read the next one? Sorry, I'm just having a minor minor panic attack. Uh, is oh. <laughs> was uh, was Bishop of Binding publicly spoiled? I don't know why. Oh, okay, it's on the public. We might have to edit it's, that. It's on the. It is yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> Because uh, I realized that some of the person who spoiled was uh, was a spoiler, and I'm like, oh, should I not have said that? Never mind, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that like all the people sending me the message were hipsters of the coast people. I'm like, oh fuck, did I just accidentally spoil? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're spoiler. <laughs> this is why reading skills are important. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, so sorry, sorry. No, you, you can read the next one. Oh wait, we skipped right. Lawrence's question. What, what about Mass Drop Balds? <laughs> Why oh, is yeah, it the well, best he... pro team in Magic? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's to be bald, you know, your brain pushed the hair out of your head. It's just, it's just so <laughs> massive, contains so much raw knowledge that I mean, that's why it's easily the best. I, mean, I don't know. Not really even debatable. Balding? I like that. Balding is a condition. Bald is a statement. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, so, so Jeremy did ask uh, your opinion of legacy, which we already went over kind of, um, and, and what the best control deck is. And I think the consensus is miracles, but I don't know if you want to make a, uh, a bold statement here and claim that there's a, a better control deck than miracles. Right um, now. Actually I do. <laughs> I think it's the, the four color deck. Yeah, I yeah. mean it's kind of a mid range deck, but I think mid range is control in in Legacy. So um, yeah, and I think I think even Miracles is in some regards a mid range deck with like Monastery Mentor. So totally, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, we and this is something we all also touched on, but I just want to give a shout out to Nick here. Nicholas did ask, uh, "What do you feel has been the general consensus among your peers for the Team Trios uh, Pro Tour format?" Uh, yeah, I feel like it's been mostly positive. I, I don't actually think I've seen a single person say something negative about uh, the team pro tour or um, legacy being a part of it. Actually, I've seen people say a couple of negative things about the team aspect of it, but never that legacy is a part of it. I think generally speaking, most mm-hmm. people are pretty excited about the being able to play legacy on the pro tour. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and any car that you could wish you could, Bring yourself to brew around in Legacy? Um, I don't know, actually. I, I would say the one card that I uh, I constantly wish I could play with but never really works out is uh, sort of the Meek Thopter Foundry combo. Oh, okay. I really, I really like, I, I just absolutely love that combo so much, but uh, it just, it never seems to work. <laughs> All right, Jerry, do you want to read the next one? Uh, yeah, from, also, from that last one was from, uh, was from Benjamin Brandt. You forgot to Yeah, say. sorry. Yeah. Jeez, credit where credit's due. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, people know what they ask. Uh, David <laughs> David Snow wants to know, do you have any thoughts about Tezzeret, Angel of Bolas? <laughs> uh, in Legacy? Um, I've played a lot of Tezzeret in Modern. Actually, I've played Tezzeret in a Legacy GP once, so... Um, yeah, Sick. I didn't do that well. I didn't do very well. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was like the Ancient Tomb, Tezzeret, Jace the Mind Sculptor deck. I can't even remember what it was called, honestly. But, uh, yeah, I, I love Tezzeret, Agent of Bolas as a card, but probably won't play it again in Legacy unless something really changes. Uh, Eric did ask, Eric Peterson asked, is there any strat, oh, 
is there any stress related to playing high level magic and how do you deal with it besides the uh bag of the iv of ice water that that they pump into you yeah that's that's about it like it's just the ice water uh (laughs) it's it's actually like a a secret that nobody's i mean really ever figured out but i just everything is ice water to me so (laughs) no um yeah it sometimes can get a little bit stressful uh not really like in a specific tournament like i'll get nervous sometimes playing a high pressure match but Usually the stress mm-hmm. is more of like a long-term thing. Like I haven't seen day two of a tournament in, you know, 16 years. Like <laughs> how yeah. am I going to keep doing <laughs> this? Like, should I give it up or whatever and, and do something else with my life? So that's kind of like where the stress usually comes in. It's like a prolonged mm-hmm. period of time where you've, you've just been struggling. Um, and it's kind of, it. I don't know. I've, I've kind of dealt with it different ways throughout the years and they've each kind of had their pros and cons. Um, but I can't really say for sure that I know exactly how to deal with it. Uh, best thing I kind of do is just, uh, put it in perspective and, and kind of say like, you know, even though I'm, I'm doing really badly and it's starting to get stressful. Like I still am really happy that this is what I'm doing with, with my life. So I don't, I don't really have any, room to complain about it or or you know feel bad about it yeah that actually kind of uh, segues into the next question we have here nicely uh from josh merriman who asks how do you or how did you go about managing a balance between a full-time job and the game um or just i guess your life in yeah the game? well originally i was working full-time and then also trying to do this and uh i balanced it by basically it being every like that was my entire life was I would like go to work, come home, test, go to work, come home, test, and then uh, go to work on Friday immediately afterwards, drive to the tournament, drive back Sunday night, go back into work Monday morning off of like three hours of sleep and keep going. And it just wasn't sustainable in the long term. Um, and I, I just like eventually couldn't do it anymore. And I decided to quit quit the job and just focus on magic um <laughs> i like that answer <laughs> like some people would be like so i decided to put uh, you know magic on the back burner and nope <laughs> yeah well <laughs> i never claimed to be like <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't look at me as a role model definitely not <laughs> i was like yeah i'll just quit the you know the thing that gives me money and lets me keep, keep living and, and I'll, I'll focus on this card game <laughs> yeah <laughs> Follow your dreams, kids. Yeah. Sometimes it works out. I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. So, do you ever just get nervous about that? Like, being I have my you know sole income source, like how I support myself is through a children's card game. How do, how does that sound when you say it out loud? Oh yeah. It's I, a, well, first of all, it's an adolescence card game. Sorry, no adolescence okay. card game. Okay, thirteen and up. It's thirteen and up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thirteen and up. All right. Uh yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly. I don't know. I kind of take a don't worry about things approach to life. So. It doesn't really bother me that much, but uh, I definitely like have moments where I, I'm like, like wondering when it's going to fall through, or uh, you know, thinking that it is going to fall through sooner rather than later. So it's certainly something that I, I I do think about a lot, but it's not. 
I don't know. Somehow I've managed to just avoid uh, letting the pressure from it affect my, like affect me at all. Nice. Don't worry. Be happy. It's a good motto. Yep. <laughs> uh, up next, we have uh why male models yeah <laughs> are you like a known like zoolander super fan or <laughs> i think neil a- asked this like every time unless it's multiple oh, okay people. i assume it's neil every time but <laughs> yeah, why never, male models i never found an answer so i don't know <laughs> i i will say i know i know that 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 line in the movie is actually ad-libbed because ben stiller forgot his line so he just said why male models after david duchovny went through the whole story of why they use male models for assassinations wow <laughs> so that was completely yeah that was like just completely off like just an ad-libbed line that made it that's cool I, I didn't know that. don't ask me why yeah. i know that <laughs> um all right marcus marcus um Ewald asks uh how you can be both so nice and so great at the same time uh well i don't know that either of those statements are true but if if they are true it is it is my the fact that my brain has expanded within my skull because I don't have any hair. You pushed all the hair out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I do have a confession. When I was when I was a, a younger younger man than I was today, before you know the glitz and glamour of leaving a legacy, uh, I was just a lowly tournament grinder at an SCG event and walking down the aisle, I'm like, oh my god, that's BBD. Should I go say Should I go say hi? No, no, he. He won't want to talk to some scrub like me. And then I kept walking. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my story. Nice. Yeah. That's just a, a, tri- a triumph of the will, Jerry. Very nice. And, and Brian's over there. It's like, you chose right. You should have kept walking. Just like- well, th- we also have like we also have the incredible story of like uh, Adrian's story of redo. Like Adrian was. Like trying to sleeve a deck up right before tournament, like the first round pairings has been called, and like Reed Duke is walking by him and says, "Hey man, do you need help sleeving up that deck?" So like Reed Duke sits down and is helping Adrian resleeve his deck, like as the first round pairings being called. Like, <laughs> nice guys all around in Pro Magic, man. Nice guys. All yeah, there around. actually are yeah. quite a few. Like there's some there's some bad apples, but yeah, most most of the pros are super nice. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> all all the ones who I've gotten a chance to talk to at, at tournaments have always been uh, extremely nice and 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 willing to speak to other people, which is which is awesome. It's 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 you know it's it's kind of a weird a weird thing. I feel like I'm I'm sure you kind of know this too, Brian. Like as a as a content creator, you put a lot of stuff out there, and you and people like read it and they digest it and they they follow you and they 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 kind of hang on your words and you don't really think a lot about it until you meet them. And then there's this weird like one-way friendship that almost exists sometimes where you don't really know these people, but they know a lot more. They know a lot about you than a lot more than you know about them. For instance, um, have you experienced like a lot of that, like going to, going to events and people come up to you and be like, Oh man, you know, I like to watch your stream or I love, I really like to read your articles and I root for you on the pro tour. Have you had a lot of experiences like that? Oh yeah. I've, I've had a lot and I've even had uh, situations like I have a pretty good memory for people, but I still forget mm-hmm. a lot of people that I've interacted with. And so, I've had some awkward times too, where someone comes up with me, comes up to me, and starts talking to me about a previous interaction we've had, and I just don't remember any of it, and I feel like really bad about it. Um, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, so I, I, I like, I don't want to say that, you know, because it, it, it feels like I've, you know, diminished uh, our interaction from before or whatever. But yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. happened, and and yeah, it happens all the time where people people know a lot more about me than I do about them, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, I still enjoy talking to people, though. 
Of course, yeah. I had an opposite example of that this weekend. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm at I'm at uh I'm at the Wait, did, did you sit down and, and give someone the do you know who I am bit? Is that what you did, Jerry? <laughs> oh no, not the opposite in that way. So I'm at I'm at the legacy event and uh this person comes up to me and goes, Hey, I just wanted to say uh that I'm just a big fan of the podcast and it's great to meet you and I'm like Wait, d- Bill your name's Billy, right? Like I know you, right? He's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, but we we've never talked about like the show. I'm like, oh, okay. It's like, or you're thinking I'm like going senile or something. <laughs> so early, early shout out to Billy for that. Awesome. I have awesome. had a few uh, really fun interactions where people think I'm somebody else. So. Oh who my god, get, I okay. love Owen right. Turnwald. <laughs> who do you get mistaken for the most? Uh, That's what I'm interested in. Well, I used to, CVM and I used to get mistaken for each other all the time. Where uh, really? people would watch our Doesn't videos. Doesn't he have a huge beard? What's that? Doesn't he have a huge beard? He does, yeah. Like, I'm I'm bald and he has a huge beard, but somehow it, it happened. But, like, I think people would just, like, watch our videos and they would never really know which was which. <laughs> oh. and so they'd like see one of us and come up and be like oh hey bbd and they're just talking to cvm or whatever uh, but i think the, the 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 most fun one was somebody thought i was craig wesco because i was wearing a the tcg player shirt and i spent like minutes telling this guy that i'm not craig wesco and having him <laughs> refuse to believe me until eventually i had to just walk away and like the last thing I was doing as I was walking away was just like yelling over my shoulder, "I'm not Craig Lesko." <laughs> I'm like, did Craig owe him money or something? <laughs> that guy goes like back to his friends, like, "Man, I just been Craig Wesco, and he's such a jerk. He wouldn't even admit to being Craig Wesco." <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Rob, Rob, this might be, I don't know if you have a good one of these, but Rob Curlin asked for your best and worst hotel experience or story. Oh man. Well, I've had a few, I, it's hard to say that I've had a best hotel experience. Like I've had just experiences where it's like, wow, it's a really good hotel. Um, but yeah, it's hard to like pinpoint anything. It's just being like, that was the best hotel I've ever been in. Um, like, like you weren't getting any, you weren't comp, get comped any massages no, or no. Like room service sent to your hotel for free. I haven't or... had anything crazy like that, <laughs> no. I did have, uh, I think this, well, this could maybe classify as both the best and worst, depending on perspective. <laughs> um, we were at a, I think it was GP Richmond, actually, the one that was like massive. And CVM and I were trying to find a hotel. And we went to like five different hotels and they were all fully booked. And, like, everything was fully booked. Um, and, I mean, we were, like, five miles outside the town at this point, and they were still fully booked. I have no idea what was going on. There's something going on in Richmond. But uh, we finally got to a hotel, <laughs> and we go in there to see if they have a room. And the lady's like, uh, she's like, well, we do have one room. And then she's like, I I just can't, I can't give you that room. I'm sorry. Like, I just can't. <laughs> And we were like, why not? And she's like, it's it's just not ready to have people in it. Like, I would feel bad giving you that room. And, uh, <laughs> and like, she's just trying to help us. Like, like, just please don't stay in this room. And then her, like, manager comes out. And she's like, oh, no, we can give you that room. Like. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, uh, and so, but, like, at this point, like, we're just so desperate that we're like, all right, we'll just take the room. 
and the and like the lady working there is just like she just looks like really sad, like she's doing something <laughs> wrong, giving us this room. And so we go, uh, we go to the room, and it just seems fine, like a normal room. And then we realize that like the air conditioner doesn't work, and it's like a hundred degrees outside, Oof. and it is like unbelievably hot in there and like there's just like yeah there's just like some things in that room that just don't work and i just like vividly remember cvm just kicking the air conditioning machine yelling at it <laughs> like to please work while he's just there's just sweat just pouring down his face <laughs> and i just will always remember that moment of him just like Kicking the air conditioner, like yelling at it. And I, I was, was expecting the room to be covered. Like... Yeah, uh, I was. I was expecting you to go in and be like, "So there had been a murder in the room the yeah. night before." <laughs> it's like you run a black light over it. It's like, all right, this is all either blood, urine, or semen. So, I mean, we didn't check underneath the bed. Who knows what was there? So, uh, it could also have been uh, laundry detergent, Pat. Oh sure, yeah, that does leave that does leave the. Uh... You did? Yes, I'm sure someone sprayed laundry detergent all over the headboard of. Well, you never, room. you never threw a, a blacklight <laughs> college party, man. We used to get, uh, we, we used to get like thirty blacklights and ring the house, and then you would take laundry detergent and just throw it all over the walls because laundry detergent dries clear but shows up under blacklight. Fun tip. Yeah, so it's, it sounds like you were the worst tenants ever. There may have been like a film. Is still, it's still like filmy, sticky shit all over the walls. Like you may as well be semen. Yeah, but like, you, it doesn't really matter at that point. You can't see it. <laughs> Unless you get like right up to the wall. <laughs> Jeez. You can't sleep in my house anymore, man. <laughs> Uh, Jerry, why'd you bring all those Tide containers with you? <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Min Hajul asks, uh, does he know that I still owe him a drink? And if, he, if you've forgotten, now you know. Yeah. Well, I had forgotten, but yeah, now I'm going to hold him to that. So. <laughs> and you won't forget now with your big no. brain. Yeah. There's room for everything in here. So even activities. <laughs> Except hair. Yeah. <laughs> you can't fit hair. Yeah, there's some things that's he also asks, too much. <laughs> uh, he also asks, uh, what do you think of miracles these days? Which I think we already kind of went over, but I'll, I'll put that in there since I know Min is a, uh, a miracles fanatic as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, that's basically what I said. I think that's good. Not the best back, but fits my style. Yeah. Um, and our friend Ian McCown is going to round out these questions tonight. Keenum or Bridgewater next year? I think it's an easy Keenum. Easy Keenum. Nice. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's all right. It's sports ball. It is. Oh, well, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm out of my league. Pigskin. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Ah, ah. Rugby. Gentlemen. All right. All right. <laughs> so we're, we're going to wrap up here shortly. Um, but before we go, um, we did kind of want to talk about our, our New Year's resolutions for ma for magic, at least. Uh, we don't need to talk about uh, what we want to do in our personal lives. But um, if you have a New Year's resolution, I kind of want to kind of put it out there. So, Jerry, do you have a, a magic New Year's resolution? Yeah, it's stop being so shitty to Pat. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sorry. I wouldn't waste my resolution like that. Yeah, that'd be a bad one. <laughs> 
my actual resolution. So uh, also for last year. So my last year, my New Year's resolution was to play a different deck in Legacy every week. I fell off that train pretty hard. <laughs> so <laughs> did not live up to that goal. So I'm going to try and set a bit of an easier one and a useful one. My resolution for this year is I'm going to get my collection insured finally. Oh, that's quite a step. Yeah. Talk to uh, talk to Michelle over at Gaming Etc. How to go about doing it. So she gave me some advice. So I'm gonna. That's my goal is to take this because I realized my Magic collection is like my most valuable worldly possession more than. My- oh, I've been to your apartment, Jerry. It's definitely the most expensive thing you have. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very nice apartment. Thank you very much. <laughs> I just also have a very large Magic collection that I have zero protection on that I probably yeah. should change. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 a good resolution to have. Yeah. My my resolution is something that's going to probably disappoint you, Jerry. I just want to play more legacy, play more Magic, but specifically Legacy. Like I I don't, I don't play it often enough. <laughs> believe Matt, it or not, that's like so, that. Res- uh, like my New Year's resolution is to be a better person. It's like oh no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> well, more, more as a more concrete example, I do want to get back to streaming, and I want to stream every week. Because uh, I was going on f- for a while there, but it can get tough sometimes when when the recording schedule gets a little messed up, or I'm feeling under the weather, or the kids are going crazy. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to stream all the time. And I give a lot of props to people like Caleb who can go a full year stream every day. I don't know how that's possible as a human, but good on him. But I do want to try to stream once a week. So that's my New Year's resolution: is is to do at least one stream a week and uh, and entertain some people. Nice. What about you, Brian? You got a resolution? Uh, I actually have zero uh, magic-related resolutions this year. I mean, when you're already the best, you can't get better. Am I right? <laughs> oh wow! I wish that was true. Maybe okay. I have a resolution to become the best. <laughs> Excellent. All right, very awesome. Very awesome. Um, all right. So before we get out, and one more thing before we get out of here, uh, Brian, I don't know if you probably haven't listened to the cast before, but instead of doing like shout outs in the cast, we do scoops into top eight. So we use those to either, you know, recognize people in the community that we appreciate or just people that we meet in our in our everyday life. Um, our friends, we scoop in the top eight or whatever. Um, so we'll invite you to do that on the show. Uh, Jerry, why don't you start us off with who you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Yeah. Uh, well, first up is Billy from the uh, the tournament that I mentioned earlier. And then also Jasper Birch uh, has been a friend through the cast for a while now. Uh, he actually came up to Boston because his family's uh, from around here. So we went out and grabbed drinks the other night. So we just talked about things other than magic, which was, you know, nice. it's it's nice for a change. So shout out to Jasper. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Um, I'm going to scoop in. Well, we actually have three new patrons this week. Uh, I want to scoop in Josh Higgins. Our friend Aaron Gazaniga for supporting the show as well. And also uh, our friend Aaron Campbell, who has been on the show a bunch of times, uh, supporting us on Patreon as well. So thank you to all your fine folk. We really appreciate the support. Um, Brian, anyone you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll scoop uh, Brad Nelson in the top eight. Uh, He's he's been really instrumental in my growth as a player in the last few years. So uh, it wouldn't make sense for me to scoop anyone else. Awesome, man. Awesome. All right, great. Well, Brian, if there's a, a way for people can get a hold of you, uh, I know you have a Twitter. Do you want to plug that here where they can find yeah, you? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, at Brown Doing It. Um, and <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And, then, uh, uh, and, you, and you're also writing and stuff too. Where can they find your articles? And yeah, um, I'm also on Facebook, but I don't post there very much. Uh, but then, yeah, you can also see my articles on magic.tcgplayer.com. Uh, weekly, they usually come out Thursdays, occasionally on Fridays. Awesome. 
And uh, you're also, also in, you're in the Leaving a Legacy Facebook group too, I believe. 